Guys, thanks for tuning in to the show today. I am talking with Rondell Trevino, who is the founder of the Immigration Project, which is a faith-based organization that inspires the church to view immigration and love immigrants the way God intended. So, um, that is Rondell. I've been connected to him for a few years. He has a podcast called The Balance, which he... um, talks about immigration and supports his project, the Immigration Coalition. Um, He does a great work. Um, I really appreciate his viewpoints, even if I don't agree with him on every single issue, uh, we talk about that in the episode, that we can still work together. And so I really appreciate him. I appreciate his family. I appreciate his organization. Um, He does like the Dallas Cowboys and Kobe Bryant, so don't hold that against him. I don't. Um, We have a really good conversation, and I hope you enjoy my uh, time, and I hope you learn something by listening to this conversation. So, Rondell Trevino. All right, let's get into it. divided world, divided religiously, politically, and economically. Oftentimes in our world, we want to run away from tough conversations that divide us about grief, pain, and loss. We want to avoid topics like shame, guilt, and pride. We'd rather escape to our phones instead of engaging in real conversations. I know this because I do this. So I created the Winter Faith Podcast. The Winter Faith Podcast is focused on creating conversations to promote spiritual and emotional growth through faith, apathy, and everything in between. So let's talk to each other. Yet more importantly, let's listen to each other. Let's continue the conversation. My name is Andy, and I have Winter Faith. I'm joined by my new friend, hopefully long-term friendship here. Uh, I hope that's not too much for you. Um, Rondell Trevino, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you doing? So, Rondell, we've been talking a little bit today, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Um, First, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? This isn't a job interview, but I just, you know. (laughs) Yeah, so. Who are you? So. Yeah, yeah. My name is Rondell Trevino, and I am the founder and director of the Immigration Coalition. Uh, at the, the Immigration Coalition, we provide biblically balanced resources on immigration that show compassion to immigrants and respect for the rule of law. Um, and then I'm also a pastor at Hope Community Church here in Austin, Texas, as as well. Married to, uh, going on six years to my beautiful wife. Laura Sofia Gallegos Barrera de Trevino. I always say that because people know when they hear they're like, oh, they, she has to be Latina. Um, and then my two beautiful daughters, Sofia and Charlotte. And so we're here in Austin 
just relocated here about three months ago. And uh, yeah, God has been good. And yeah, it's a little bit about me. Passionate about immigration, love basketball. Grew up, I played college ball my first two years of college in Big Spring, Texas. Um, and uh, I've followed basketball. I love Kobe Bryant. Bryant mm. watched uh, The Last Dance with Michael Jordan uh, on ESPN. That was amazing. Yeah. I love the I love football, I love the Dallas Cowboys. Um and people would hate people will hate when they listen to you on the most people they're gonna hate and be like, ah, oh, I did I did like I did Go like that Kobe guy until and the said, Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, until <laughs> you said that. So um but yeah, that's a little bit about me. That's awesome. Well, Rondell, I'm so happy to talk to you. Um and then uh my wife and her family are from Peru. Oh wow, that's amazing. And so um Immigration is something that I have learned a lot about um, since being married um, to my wife. And um, she's been on the podcast, so you guys can listen to the episode with her. Um, But yeah, so we've been married. um, This is our third year of marriage. And immigration is something that I'm going to be honest, growing up, up, I grew up in Wisconsin. Um, Immigration, I don't remember learning much about it, honestly, until probably college when I moved to Arkansas. It was not really, it wasn't really talked about um, by my church, um, by my um, household very much. So, you know, for Christians who don't know much about the Immigration Coalition, I know you, you told us a little bit already, but yeah, tell us a little bit more about maybe why God has called you to be the director of the Immigration Coalition. Yeah, for me, it's personal. My wife's an immigrant, so... Mm-hmm kind of the same narrative as you. Uh, we got married in 2015 um, in February. And then we were apart for two years as I was here in the United States uh, petitioning for her to come and it took around two years for, we were married for two years and apart. So that was really hard for us emotionally. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and so during that time, God opened up my heart for just the topic of immigration as I began to research more about the topic and, you know, what, what, what's going on with the topic, what, you know, what are the things that the church are thinking around the uh, immigration? And so uh, just through that journey and my wife being an immigrant herself, I just fell in love with uh, the topic of immigration and, and, and seeing the, the need for the church to be educated on the topic and thinking biblically around it, not politically, because far too often Christians can fall in the the, uh, the far left or the or, or the or the uh, far right position when it comes to this. Instead of first going to scripture, and so because of that, I I was like, man, this is a huge need. Uh, my wife's an immigrant, and so I ended up working for in 2015 uh, for one year the Evangelical Immigration Table. And then right after that, I ended up uh, just praying with my wife and saying, what, what can we do as an organization to, um, or just as, as, as a couple, what can we do to, to help immigrants in our country? Um, I wanted to be more local in the city. I was traveling a lot with the evangelical immigration table and my wife visa just approved. So I was like, man, I want to be more in the city. I want to be able to be more home. And so I ended up taking a position at a church in Memphis and then, I ended up uh, starting just a grassroots organization called the Immigration Project at the time in Memphis. Um, And then this was in 2016, 2017. 
and it was just a grassroots Facebook group type thing. It wasn't like a nonprofit or anything like that. And, and so I just began to, to, to figure out and pray through and labor through what can, what can the immigration project at that time do? Um, and so just fast forward, uh, to now we've been a nonprofit for a year. We went through a long rebranding process. Now we're called the immigration coalition. We wanted to, you know, we wanted to tackle, there are a ton of problems to tackle in immigration. We want to tackle a problem that I feel can, um, can be overlooked, which is the problem is, you know, sometimes there are, there are just too many extreme views on immigration, either far right and everybody's like borders, 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 keep them all out, respect the rule of law. And then there's no compassion. And then the, the, on the other side, it could be compassion, 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 and then forgetting the piece of, there's a piece when it comes to respect and rule of law and even loving our American neighbor because there are drugs and different types of things happening at the border that need to be stopped in, in a healthy way while still being compassionate. And so people were making those as if you had to choose sides. And so we said, well, if you look at the scriptures, it constantly talks about far more love, care, justice for the immigrant. Right. Scripture. And then we were like, but Romans 13 is an important piece respecting the governing authorities. Mm-hmm. If that law lines up with scripture and God's word. Right. And so what does it look like to say, um, I am against coming undocumented, but we also understand that the process is hard. It's wrong. The system's so broken. And so respecting the rule of law in the sense of pursuing immigration reform and, and knowing that there are uh, drugs and human trafficking coming through the country and so how do we live in that tension of being biblically balanced as an organization and tackle that problem to say, well, you don't have to choose one side. You can be compassionate and seek to respect the rule of law and love your American neighbor. And so we've lived in that tension as a nonprofit. We've been a nonprofit officially for one year, going on two. Um, and God has allowed us through our mission to, to, to educate and equip uh, and provide biblically balanced resources on immigration, such as a podcast that we have, like you mentioned, mm-hmm. curriculum for churches, ton of counseling and uh, consulting and teaching at churches, even during the pandemic online through Zoom, um, one-on-one conversations, curriculum, um, articles. We have around 20,000 subscribers to our website, so uh, articles that, that are addressing some of the most pressing topics um, and now, since we've been re- relocated to to Austin, um, we we're about to have a national conference in October, a virtual okay. conference with some of the top speakers: Brian Loritz, D. A. Horton, uh, Daniel Darling. Um, uh, who else do we have? Uh, Matthew Sorens, Jenny Yang, um, Jason Lee, Alan. Just different speakers from around the country, and awesome. we're excited to to have this. And so we're in the process of that. And then also the relief work at the border. So now that we're four hours away, mm-hmm. we can do tons of relief work on behalf of migrants and asylum seekers. And today it was just announced that there are more restrictions at the border from the Trump mm-hmm. administration. And now it's almost virtually impossible for migrants and asylum seekers to seek asylum at the border. And so now there's a refugee camp being built almost um, at the border, right along the border in Matamoros, Mexico. And there are 2,500 plus migrants there right now. And so they're in need of water, diapers, um, Mm. clothing. We just went there last week and donated 9,000 diapers, 
12,000 wipes, um, water, clothing, belts, things of that sort to help them. And so we're a part of that long term. And so we're, we're trying to do this relief work as much as possible while still urging our Congress and senators to step up and, and to, to not allow them to just live there mm-hmm. of them. But in the midst of that, how can we provide basic needs for them and love them? So, Wow. I mean, you're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. I mean, the relief work, the podcast, apost- uh, you know, working at a church, raising kids. <laughs> um, I mean, being, you know, that's a lot of stuff and I, I really love the work you're doing. Um, a few months ago on my podcast, I know you were advertising a, um, I might say it wrong, but it was kind of like an immigration kit that you were working with another organization where you donate to buy kits for people at the border. Oh yeah. That was with our partner, um, organization, the border perspective. That's right. Border perspective. Uh-huh. So I, I promoted that on my podcast I know we had some people um donate and we had you know we've we've communicated you know through social media and um I just love the work you're doing my family loves the work you're doing um my church um you know I think is you know I have people that listen from our church I know they have heard have heard me promote your work so cool yeah it's just it's just good to it's good to see somebody doing something um, I, you know, my, my angle is, I feel like the church can do a lot. I think the government can do some, I think the church can do a lot. And yeah. so to have, like you said, the balance between not something far left, not something far right. Um, it's pretty difficult and people are, in my experience, I'm curious about you. People are very, very passionate about this subject of immigration one way or the other. Very passionate. And if you're balanced, people also are upset at you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We don't fit into any particular uh, group when it comes to immigration. But when we have conversations with people there, you know, they might, someone who might be, you know, lean a little bit left in the sense of it's not a bad thing. They just vote Democrat. It's not a bad thing. Yeah. And we know Christians on that side and we know Christians on the right. Right. Uh, Sometimes they could be, you know, on the left, they can be like, well, you know, um, you're talking about border security a lot. And, and then we remind them like, yeah, but we also talk about compassion to immigrants mm-hmm. We're right there with you. But I think there's this important piece too. And some people disagree and, and sure we can disagree on what it means to like fundamentally have what, what does border security look like? Um, mm-hmm. But I think having those conversations is important. And most of the time in my conversations with people on this topic, whatever, wherever they lean politically, it's always been a healthy conversation because at the end of the day, they feel refreshed that there's a, there's another way when it comes Mm -hmm. to the topic. And even as you see more people becoming politically homeless, um, they're jumping on more so because they're, um, and even, I think even for guys, you know, folks who lean a little left and they're Christians and they're like, they're good brothers and sisters in Christ or right. And, 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 they get frustrated too, because he, although they lean that those ways on immigration, they still probably get tired themselves of like, why are they so extreme on immigration on this side or one way or the other? Right. And so I think we were able to bring a, just a different take and conversation so, on the topic. When you look at scripture, because I was just thinking, you know, our, my, our common friend, Josh Ross has preached on immigration. Yeah. I don't, I don't think I've heard too many sermons on immigration. Um, 
you know, if you were going to preach a sermon on immigration, like what would you, you know, how would you go about it? What do you think are the kind of most important things that people need to know about um, what scripture says about, about how yeah. we, yeah. yeah, we actually, yeah, I actually have a talk I do on that. Um, you can spend tons of time on one specific topic, but sure. when we talk about passages and chunks, we always talk about first in the beginning, you start with the image of God and you under, you help people understand that immigrants, migrants, asylum seekers, no matter what their status, they're creating the image of God. They have gifts and talents to do great things in this world. And so we got to see them that way. Yeah. We can't see them as less than. Right. Um, and then, you know, jumping to how often it, 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 it talks about in scripture in the old Testament of, God commanding the Israelites, his people, to love the sojourner, to stand up for the sojourner, to treat the sojourner as a native among them. So almost even if they don't have status, treat them as they're, as if they're Israelites themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the importance of like biblical justice. How do you do justice on their behalf? How do you um, uh, care for them in their marginalized state? Um, and then especially going to the passage of, even the hospitality in Romans, you know, biblical hospitality in the original language means giving uh, and, and showing hospitality and loving uh, immigrants like you would your own friends and your mm-hmm. own family members. And so what does that look like? And then the most popular passage you can easily break down is the, the Good Samaritan. Right. Because even that, what's fascinating is even when he, when he gives him the greatest commandment and he answers Jesus in that passage, it's referenced from Leviticus 19 and that Leviticus 19 specifically was God's way of sharing with the Israelites. Now that you're holy and you're clean, this is how you live it out. And he gives these orders of like, who here's who you're supposed to love your enemies. And then the last two verses, he's like, love the sojourner. And so it's as if Jesus is pointing this religious word in, in Luke and the good Samaritan, like, your neighbor is someone so different. It's an immigrant. It's a sojourner from another land. And so picking them up, loving them when they're on the ground, caring for them in their spiritual state, sharing the gospel and doing justice is vitally important. And so, and then you can easily go to revelation and knowing that the, you know, when Jesus comes, comes back, his, his, the new heavens, new earth is going to be um, a multi-ethnic group. And so, mm that's going to yeah. include immigrants and it's going right. to include refugees. And, and so why don't we work towards that end right now? Um, and even recently when I preached on Pentecost, um, it's fascinating that Pentecost, when the Holy spirit entered in Pentecost in Acts two, the church, that's the first church. That's where it began. And when they're in that upper room with the apostles, they're at, they're at Pentecost and Pentecost was basically like a Mardi Gras party. It was a party. <laughs> yeah. People in those days would go and they're from different ethnicities and cultures. And you see that they end yep. up, they don't, they don't speak spiritual tongues. They end up speaking tongues in the sense of different languages. Right. You even see like the spirit fills all of these people in the first church, the church begins with a multi-ethnic group of people. Right. You almost, that's right. That's right. Well, if that's the case, then we have to embrace immigrants because people traveled to that party. So it had to be an immigrants were there and they were filled with the Holy spirit. 3000 people came to know Jesus that day. And so all of that woven in together, um, 
is vitally important when it comes to immigration. Um, and then also really honing in on that respecting the rule of law, peace in Romans 13. Yeah. And so talking about the importance of, we, I don't think we should be okay with, because, the, because we do have borders, I don't think we should be okay with undocumented just coming. But I also understand why they do, because the system's so broken. But us, us wanting to respect the rule of law which means this. We can't just be okay with the law right now, right? Yeah, reform. So, so system's so broken that right. if I'm going to respect the rule of law and I'm against undocumented immigrants coming, even at the Immigration Coalition, we're more conservative on that side. That doesn't mean just saying, oh, then that they don't need to come. It actually in, involves, it actually compels me to get involved and notice that the laws are not right. <laughs> And that we have to advocate for healthy immigration reform that secures the border, but also shows more compassion to, to asylum seekers and migrants. Because even today, as, we, as I was talking to you earlier before we started the podcast, you yeah. know, there's stronger restrictions for asylum seekers at the border. And right. right now, I was there just the last week, and there are 2,500 plus migrants and asylum seekers, mothers, fathers, sons, yeah. daughters, babies, pregnant women, mm-hmm. unborn babies. And so I constantly tell people, you know, you're not as conservative theologically as you think if you're okay with these asylum restrictions, and yet there, there's, there's pregnant women with their unborn babies sleeping on tents. And it's just yeah. unjust. Yeah. And so we have to, in regards to respecting the rule of law, we have to pursue respecting the rule of law by advocating for immigration reform. Man, that's right. Yeah, we need to reform. It's broken and we need reform. Like that's the big exactly, and we need um, the church to be a part of that reform. We need the government to be a part of that reform. We need individuals to be a part of that. And when you start to know, you know, people, when you start to know people, then we can start changing some policies. Yep. I think we don't. I don't know who we is. <laughs> right. I. My views change when I know people, my views, my, my, my opinions, my policies, I don't know what, like, as just think as an individual, when I start to know someone, I start to have a lot more compassion. And if you look at Jesus's life, it was always about serving the other, whether it's women, whether it's, um, you know, immigrant or Gentile. Um, He was toughest on, the Pharisees who were like yeah. insiders. He was exactly. toughest on his disciples. And that's how I view myself. Like if I'm a disciple of Jesus, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I need to, I need to have higher standards for how I talk exactly. about immigration. Exactly. Um, I don't, you know, I think that God and Jesus always wants us to find like a third way. Um, and right. I think that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to find that third way. Not this way, not this way, but let's let's be creative. Yeah, because, yeah, and the only reason I, I, we try to do that is because we're we're at the at the end of the day we're also trying to bridge a gap. We want to bring conservative Christians and Christians who are more progressive together and say, mm-hmm. oh, we can actually right. do this together as opposed to, oh my gosh, you're just for border security, I can't engage with you. I'm like, why? Romans 13 says we can respect the rule of law. It might not look good on this earth because it's broken. So let's have a conversation and help them. Progressive, progressive Christians who are compassionate for immigrants need to help conservatives 
think biblically on more compassion. Conservative Christians can help more progressives think, oh, we do need border security because we need to love our American neighbor as well. And we can get to come to the table and have a conversation. And that's the goal instead of, you know, just writing, every, writing each other off. And so that's the Immigration Coalition. We, uh, our donors come from vastly different. That's one way we know that we're balanced. We have people who are super conservative who donate to us. We have people who are extremely progressive, <laughs> but they love our work. Wow. They're not going to agree with everything we do, but they know that we're approaching things in a healthy manner and 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 we're doing the best we can and we're refreshing voice through the immigration coalition so that's really cool for us yeah so just for like okay for um you know i live in raleigh north carolina um what you moved from memphis what like can you maybe help me understand what immigration looks like for um you know like a a family that's that's um maybe has um, some people that are, uh, a family that has people seeking their citizenship, a family that maybe has kids that aren't, I'm trying to like paint a picture of maybe like an example of what it, how it looks in kind of like an everyday city where, you know, what is an immigrant's experience in a city um, like Raleigh or, or something? I don't know. Is that a good question? <laughs> Try yeah, to reword that again. Say that again. Um, just maybe talking about what are like what are families that what are just, what are families experiencing in your experience? What are families experiencing that are here that are you know wrestling with this? Like they they've they've come here from. Um, oh man, just yeah, I think for them it's like assimilation. Like families that have come here from different countries, is that what you're talking about? Yes, correct. Yeah, for them, I mean, it's 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 one it's wanting to be seen as equally valuable. Okay. So I think they they you, the, my wife went through it. So you come here, you still feel less valuable because one, you're you're in a you almost enter trauma when you come into the country because you miss your country. Mm. I mean, most most immigrants that come here the vast majority that I know, especially at the Southern border, they don't want to come to the, to America. They have to, because there's nothing in their country. The economy's broken, the government's jacked up. And so they always go, they go through a, a phase of trauma for a year or two, um, missing family members mm. um, to pursue a better life. And then they also don't feel as valuable and like they can be themselves because of the political divide on immigration. And then also the advice that they need and guidance when it comes to policy in the sense of applying for a visa application, you know, and continue mm -hmm. that application. You know, m the majority of immigrants that you see um, have overstayed their visa. And in many cases, in conversations that we've had at the Immigration Coalition, it's because people never really wanted to help them. <laughs> okay. So different. And so, okay. and they're afraid to ask too, because of the, the polarizing topic of immigration so so it's people it's people that have overstayed their visa and actually don't want to go back to where would they have to go to i'm showing my ignorance but you have to go get more time kind of right yeah um like where do they go to for that process yeah what do, what do they have to where are they going when they have to go through that process like uh, well there's various places. So if you come, 
if you come here, you already have a visa. Right. More than likely, unless you're undocumented, then you go to, you know, you try to go to a lawyer that can defend you and, and you can apply for some type of, of asylum. We have to be compassionate of how difficult it is in this country. Even if you are a documented legal visa carrying immigrant that people don't, your experience is people are still unwilling yeah. to help. And even some processes, some when you get into the processing, they in order for somebody from another country to apply and come to the country, they have to go there to their to the, to the U.S. embassy mm-hmm. in their country, and then they apply for a visa application and they go through several interviews. And in countries like El Salvador, Mexico, they're waiting twenty-five to twelve, fifteen years just to get their application looked at. And like for me because I'm a U.S. citizen, it still took us two years for Lord to get approved. Mm-hmm. And we're still not done with the process because she has to apply for her U.S. citizenship. Mm-hmm. And so the process is never fully done when they get here. There's still a continuation of a process. And the process, it's almost like this, the process is set up for immigrants not to come. Yeah. Unless somebody with a PhD and Harvard says, I need an international student to be an assistant teacher or whatever it may be, then they, then you can have employers to can employ you like Google, Amazon, people with power like that can easily employ and get a visa for a student who's very smart and has giftings. But the problem is in a lot of the Latin American countries, not many people are really educated mm-hmm. and the ones who are educated really don't they they can come and they can find a better life, but they're living decently in their own country not all of them, but a lot of them. Um, and the ones who actually deserve to come are the ones who are poor, but they don't even have money to pay for the visa application. And so you see, that's a, those are some of the reasons why they're like, well, what else, what else am I supposed to do? Hmm. My kid's two years old. I'm living in a shack. Mm-hmm. So they're like, if I, if I can live undocumented and be ridiculed in America, it's better than living where I am now. Yeah. And the processes are just so, they're they very different countries. Some countries it takes 25, like Amer- Mexico, 25 years, mm. El Salvador, 12, you know, different parts of the world, 15, Europe, you know, they're different, different just different, different processes for different, uh, and timetable for different people. And so you're, um, what I'm hearing you say is just like, we've just made it so difficult. I mean, waiting 25 years for your citizenship. I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah, exactly. I mean, 12 years is pretty ridiculous too. Um, so we've made the process overly, overly difficult to the point that it's like, we're unwelcoming to, we've made it so difficult. It's unwelcoming. We're not very compassionate when you get here just because of, cause you look different basically, right? Like you oh, don't, exactly. yeah, you don't look like what I want you to look like. That's one way of saying it. Exactly. And, and then, we also, you know, if you're a Christian, like there's some pretty clear directives in the Bible that maybe we're not looking at closely, um, not close enough or definitely, you know, there's a lot of picking and choosing when it comes to the Bible. Oh, yeah. um, and I, I think we're, we need to be honest that we all do that. We all emphasize things more than others. And we just got to be honest about that and try to oh, be. exactly. But yeah, I guess it's just, it sounds like a really difficult job that you have <laughs> to try to, you know, get people to see differently. 
I mean, that's oh, a, dude, that's a tall so, task. It's um, so hard. It's hard to live in that tension. Cause naturally on some things I'll lean more conservatively, but also as a minority who's Latino from an immigrant family, I lean more wanting to be like, I'm just straight up <laughs> compassionate. Mm-hmm. Let everybody come. <laughs> yeah. But I, my conviction scripturally, because I'm I'm an evangelical, which means I believe in the the whole Bible. Right. Then the 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 Romans thirteen piece is important, and I have mm-hmm. to acknowledge it in a healthy sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One of the things, also, I was just thinking that you know immigrants have been the like backbone of the whole country, if not the whole country, <laughs> just oh, in general. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about on your podcast, I, I want you to see if you can do, like some of the organizations that are started by immigrants. Some of the big Oh, ones. yeah. You have like, I mean, Tesla, SpaceX mm-hmm. is from Elon Musk. We were talking about him earlier. Right. He's an immigrant. You have Yahoo, Google, and uh, I believe Amazon as well, From what, if I'm not mistaken. Um, AT&T. Radio Shack, uh, you know what's, and here's the most fascinating one. Zoom is created by a Chinese immigrant. You have people, <laughs> That's pretty who, good. Like, you have yeah. people who will probably oppose immigrants who are using Zoom, and yet they're using it based on the gifts of a Chinese immigrant. Well, and I mean, Amazon, everybody uses Amazon. I mean. Think about all that. I mean, yeah, it's fascinating. And it just shows you have all these Fortune 500 companies that have been founded from immigrants who have come to the country and worked hard. And that's what you get a, most of the time I've seen immigrants, even if they're, on, they're not creators of amazing organizations and all sure. that. Right. They're some of the most hardworking people. They're up front right now in COVID-19. I mean, yeah. you have nurses who are DACA recipients. You have uh, healthcare professionals. You have the farm workers that are still able to put food into our grocery stores and we're able to still go get food. They're immigrants. They're undocumented immigrants. And the majority of farm workers, 75% of them are immigrants, documented and undocumented. Mm-hmm. Many have even gotten COVID-19, and yet they still are on the front lines. And it doesn't negate that there is a small percentage that are, you know, knuckleheads, if you will, and don't need to be here because they're drug traffickers and human traffickers. They're not good people. Right. But that's a small percentage. The percentage is so small, though, right? Oh, yes, Exactly. I mean, the percentages of the percentages from from 2016. We have an article on TIC. The okay. percentage of from 2016 compared to um, compared to white supremacist far right wing attackers is yeah. vastly. It's it leans more towards white supremacy, yes. rather than immigrants. And from two uh, from years ago, ever since immigrants have been coming, they've actually helped reduce crime because most of them are conservative in their beliefs. They believe right. in family, but they have conservative understandings. My wife, her family, they're conservative on a lot of things. And so you, you get these mythical assumptions of immigrants and it's the total opposite. The majority are good people. The majority are men who are busting their tail every day working to provide for their family and they stay low and they work 12 hours a day and they just want to go home. And, mm. and, and many of them want to get right with the law, but they can't. And so that's another reason why we need immigration reform so we can allow them to get right with the law, pay a fine and then stay in the country mm. for most of them. Yeah, I do. I think it's, man, I just, my 
heart breaks a little bit just to hear some of like the rhetoric of um, the Trump administration and how they, how he or they, whatever, have promoted what immigrants are. The name calling stuff. I don't even really want to repeat it on my podcast. You know, just, it's just, it's just, it's terrible to me. Um, You know, I work, I don't think I told you, so I work at a, um, a men's, uh, a men's shelter with men seeking or men that are um, experiencing homelessness and um, talk about feeling homeless. They feel homeless for a time. And, you know, if I'm relating that to, you know, kind of a crossover of the work that you do, um, it's, you know, people need to know that they're valued. Um, Exactly. And I don't know um, really too many things that I would say even about like an enemy (laughs) that have been said about immigrants, which is such a general blatant thing that I don't even know if I would say that to my worst enemy sometimes, just the, 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 you know, just how they've been depicted. Um, You know, I think my experience, and maybe you know this too, it's like, I feel like a lot of immigrants have their own businesses too. Oh yeah. Small businesses, whether they're making clothes or, car uh, car washes or cleaning services for like hotels different things of that yeah and you know what's funny bro mm-hmm. and interesting is that there are americans who will hire you know it's illegal to hire an undocumented immigrant to work mm-hmm. but i know i won't never i'll never throw out names because i'm thankful in some way although mm-hmm. i know the, the system's broken in some ways because of this but you have people who own constructing businesses who hire immigrant workers run documented and it's a profit for them it's it goes both ways it's a profit for the immigrant because they have work mm-hmm. they pay them pretty well but then they don't have to pay any taxes they don't have they don't have to pay, make them pay any taxes they don't have to do a 401k there's no you know it's just like i pay right. you straight up cash and that's it mm-hmm. and some of them i've even met who are folks who who are against immigration yet they hire undocumented immigrants illegally and i'm like Mm-hmm. you're just that's an oxymoron like well i have all you a, care about all you care about some of them all you care about is the is their work not them as a human being you just care about making money exactly that's what that's i mean that's like a staple of yeah um just about that though you know i have a saying double standards the best way to live so you know, <laughs> that's just that's just a reality oh, um funny. So, um, so I know we've talked about a lot of serious things, important work. Um, you mentioned a, a few things too, oh, man. I, so before we get into this next, I guess, couple of minutes here, support the immigration coalition, go to your web, uh, go to their website, um, listen to their podcast. It's called the balance followed, um, Rondell on Twitter. Great Twitter follow. Um, have you, have you, have you heard our podcast? Yeah. I like think? it. Okay, cool. I I mean, I want I I think some interview. I would like you to do some interviews. I think that'd be good. Yeah, you know, especially like people and what they're experiencing as immigrants in this country. I agree. That would be great. That'd be really great. Um, That's great. So, but no, I enjoy. It. I I like I like hearing you. I think you have a good radio voice. Um. So yeah. Well, that's good. Um. If so yes, yeah, support. 
this can work out. If this don't work out, maybe if, if TIC don't work out, I'm going to go work for you one, one day. Back up <laughs> yeah, uh, sure. Um, yeah. <laughs> what are things, what are some like good family things that happen that make you laugh? You know, it's an adventure with your two, with a two-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm. Um, they're just a joy to be around. They're, they're really close in age. I think it's kind of funny the way they, they like, though they're so close in age, they argue right now. And it's hilarious that they just oh. fight over things. And I'm just like, they're goofy, man, just to being around them. And they bring us a lot of joy. That's awesome. Um, every day, at least trying to be active, even right after the podcast, we'll go walk, we'll go to this little birthday party and, we try to do something active. So that, that's fun for us is, is doing Absolutely. things like going out since I'm on the computer all day, walking around, doing, mm-hmm. getting, pops, getting, a, getting a popsicle or something like that. And uh, I, I always leave my phone in the house or the, or the car when I go out with them. Um, and it's good to get away from the phone for me too. Yeah. So Absolutely. I focus on them. So yeah, that's fun for us, man. The, the simple going for a walk type things. Um, all right, and then I guess my last question, what is the Dallas Cowboys record going to be if they have a season in 2020? Mm. What's going to happen? I mean, I'm an, I'm an obnoxious Cowboy fan, so I would just say undefeated. <laughs> All right, there we go. That's an excellent answer. I always go, <laughs> to, my wife. Answer. I always go to my wife during the season. I'm like, and the Cowboys win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and she's just <laughs> laughing, and she's like, she knows it's not going to happen, but I still believe. All right, 16-0. You heard it here first. Um, if they play 16, I don't know. It might be Yeah, 12. right. That's what I was saying. I don't even 12 know. 12-0? Like number, but they might play five games. I don't know. Well, it's been fun talking to you. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you, man. That was fun. We got to do it again. Today's artwork was done by Dominique Frazier. The intro was done by Scarlet Fox. The music you're listening to, Josh Cleveland. And the creator and editor and producer of the Winter Faith Podcast, yours truly, Andy Frazier. Well, you did it again. You spent your time listening to my show. You probably could have spent this time playing games or binging Game of Thrones on your phone. But instead, you spent it with me, so I thank you for your time. If you haven't already, downloaded and subscribed to the Winter Faith Podcast on Anchor. If you haven't already, please leave a review on iTunes with good, bad, or ugly feedback. Also, please consider supporting the show on Patreon for as little as $1 a month. However, I do accept Venmo, PayPal, Cash App, and any other way you want to contribute to the show financially. Okay, my commercials are done. Andy, out.